Well, Cindy Levabaza, my friend is here. Welcome to Verity. Thank you very much, Roman. And the point of this is that no one actually wins. Okay. It's a it's a podcast where ideas are fleshed out, and we let the audience decide for themselves what they want to believe. Okay, that's fantastic. Great. So, so you're a writer. Yes. Professional writer. Yes. And you get paid for it, unlike many journalists. It's yeah. true though. Some people write for free, and you, if you read their stuff, you can see why they write for free because no one will pay oh for dear. it. The fourth estate. The fourth estate. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But in, anyway, I mean, what do you write about? What uh, what piques your interest in writing? Anything that that takes my fancy, but I like to cover politics and just stuff in popular culture. Um, I'd like to do. I'd like to do a bit of sport. That's something I want to get into. Sports writing. Yeah, but more more football. I don't care about that. The sports is Is that much. the one where they score a try or a wicket? <laughs> I don't do sports. Yeah, no, no, no. The way they score the goal. But it's score the goal. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty much that. And then I'm trying to write a book now. Oh yes. So put together a book. Not too long. Something that people can read, enjoy. Something in, spicy. In South Africa though. I mean you'll you'll be a bestseller if you sell a thousand copies. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's fine. I, I want to put something out there. You got to start somewhere, and then we can see what happens with future projects. That's so the only reason I know you is because you got very insightful Facebook like statuses. You post about I don't know between five and ten a day. Yeah, on and the it, move. Like, you're sort of like Donald Trump, but you don't call <laughs> you don't say sad and don't call Kim Jong Un funny names on your Facebook status. But it appears that. You have this epiphany of some sort, uh-huh. and then you just like write it down on Facebook as a sort of way. As like, is that note taking or to keep it in memory? I don't. I don't know. Like I, when I was in high school, embarrassing. I kept a diary, um, and then it's kind of morphed into that. I used to write quite a bit, just yeah. jot down ideas and whatever else and whatever I'm thinking, and then it kind of morphed into that on Facebook. Um, I don't know. It's 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 kind of changed because there was that one status I put up. Um, I think it was two years ago about Penny Sparrow. Yeah. And then I had like a thousand friend requests. I was one of them, perhaps. I don't remember. Like it was just, it was a bit more overwhelming. I mean, some of those people I've shared because they found out I'm not, <clears throat> you know, far left. You're not woke enough, Cindy Lee. I've been told a lot of weird things, like one white man, literally one straight white man, yeah. Christian white man, the epitome of privileged. Literally, when he was angry with me, he was like, you're privileged. That's why you don't want South Africa to change. I was like, <laughs> I was even threatened by another one. You would know him. He's one of my friends on Facebook. A, a white man? Another yes. One. Oh, yeah? you, you remember Walter. He He basically just threatened me because he... He went on one of my posts and he said, I'm a rape apologist. Oh, is this Walter that owns polo horses? Yes. And then he, he talks about structural privilege and structural yeah. racism. Yeah, and then he threatened to take me to court, so I made fun of him. I trolled him mercilessly. Yeah. And then another white guy came on my inbox and was like, what you did to Walter was not cool. I was like, he called me a rape apologist. Oh, no, it wasn't cool. You need to be nicer to people. I'm like... You should be nice, indeed. You must, you know, we live in a vanilla world, not vanilla in terms of, of, of color. I'm talking about like flavor, right? Uh-huh. Everyone must be as inoffensive and vanilla as possible. It's what, it's what you know, society wants for us. Oh, that would be a dull world. That would be a very dull world. There's, 
there's something to a bit of meanness in the world. It keeps everything interesting. Well, I mean, uh, personally, I think life is, is, is pure suffering from start to end. And so someone, I can't remember who said it, you, 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 you're born alone, you die alone, and then you just have sensory, uh, you know, characteristics of just, you just okay. have sensory, um, I can't remember, it's just Naval, Naval on Twitter, okay. great guy. He's like, you just have these like senses throughout okay. your life, then you die. And what you make of that is up to you. I'm, I'm on board a little bit with that, but I, w- I wouldn't take it full nihilistic. Well, it's sort of fatalist, but it's it's also empowering in a way. That it is. It is. You need to know because there's 800 million people who are starving. There's yes. 25 million Indian children or prostitutes. And there's and there's six, uh, almost seven billion people that are, that never self-actualize. Very true. Very true as well. And a lot of people underestimate that. So while we talk about like you know big ideas about the world, other people mm. are just like, all I'm doing today is dropping the kids off. Going to work, try to survive till four or five o'clock, pick up the kids, then I go home and cook and I just want to watch Friends until 10 p.m. And drink. And drink my whiskey. And drink then, wine. If and then the cycle it. just like, you know, repeats itself. Yeah. And this is what they call living. And maybe you have a bit of a segue where you go on holiday. To like some godforsaken place like Margate. <laughs> I've been there. It's a proper shithole. Uh, oh, gee, I spent some growing up years in Margate. Oh. Ah, I have mixed feelings about the place um, because, I don't know, it, it, the one cool thing about Margate is that now that I'm older, it helps clarify some things about racism in oh, yeah? Margate because uh, there was a couple of experiences when I was younger and mm-hmm. it, it made me think because I was sitting there as a kid on the beach and I was having a vanilla ice cream. Like These older Afrikaans kids, maybe like 19 or 20, they walked up to me, they looked at me, they looked at my ice cream and they were like, ooh, your ice cream's dirty. And then they walked away laughing. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And then, like, I, I mean, a couple of weeks later, literally, I'm walking behind my brother. There's a wimpy down on Margate Beach. And across from there, there's a bar, but it's like upstairs. And he's walking and they literally chucked a beer on him and they laughed. And it was like hectic shit like that. Like the young white guys. Yeah. Oh. Hectic shit like that. And so when, when you have to confront that stuff, you have to think about stuff. So you have to think, gee, like, this is what people are putting towards me. They've got white skin. And it was specifically Afrikaners. Yeah. So I had to think about it and I had to be like, gee, uh, what do I think about people now? What do I think about people who are white? Yeah. What do I think about Afrikaners? And so long story short, I've come to the conclusion that you judge people as individuals. Because that's what I want to be judged as. Long story short. I mean, yeah. you, you you can't really put the sins of everyone else on one person. Well, it, yeah, you can't collectivize. Well, I mm. mean, you can collectivize, but firstly, it's a terrible argument. Mm. And secondly, you just don't get context and nuance. Very true. Right, I mean, if we can... Uh, how many... In, in Nazi Germany, for example, mm. there were maybe... 10% of the population who were real Nazis who actually believed in, in it. Mm-hmm. And the rest just got swept up in it. And a lot of them didn't agree with it at all. But uh, there was economic booming uh, times and all sorts of things. So, but I've, so you, I mean, Germany was Nazi, mm. but the core was like 10% of the population, really. And they controlled the narrative and they controlled everything. It's been like apartheid here. Like, I really wonder how many people were actually like properly racist during apartheid. 
Oh, I don't know. Like white people. Like I, I wonder. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think as well people get stuck on what the definition of racism is because you see it now when people are caught up in in all of this thing about whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I remember on 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 Facebook I was lambasted because I was like, what is the point of you having a T-shirt? Do you remember that fuck white people T-shirt? Yes, adverts. I think. It, I think so. And and I asked people and I was like. What is the point of that? And people are like, no, we're expressing our pain, our black pain. Which I was like, okay, fine, I get that. But I, I put this challenge to them. And I was like, if you're a man and a white woman is racist to you, are you allowed to call them a white bitch? And he said yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in your anger, you've now become a sexist. Oh, right. Do you see the problem there? Yeah. Do you see the problem with your anger being unchecked? Because it's a moral question. It, are are you justified in doing things if you are angry? Is there a limit to what you can do when you're angry? So, for example, if you're a woman who's been raped, are you allowed to go and do bad things to all men? Which is a good question, because yeah, well, I think victimhood is 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 quite a strong commodity these days. So mm-hmm. we tend to see that people that who have suffered or mm-hmm. purportedly suffered, okay. we give them a lot more leeway when they do things. Like mm. the H&M yeah. debacle, I think, is a perfect example of that. You had a lot of, a kind uh-huh. of political, you had a lot yeah. of EFF supporters who mm. felt, supposedly, mm. extremely angry and anxious mm. about this advert with the, mm. with the black child with the, the coolest monkey in the mm-hmm. jungle mm-hmm. hoodie on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we give them a lot more. Like, if it was white people, I think it would be mocked entirely. If white people went into H and M and like trashed it for mm-hmm. the best cracker in whatever the clan, mm-hmm. if they had a hoodie like that, H and M, I think people would mock that. To it's sort of like the Charlottesville I, I white supremacists, right? I, I don't know. I don't think white South Africans would actually go that far. I think you, you'd get right wingers in terms of like you know, <laughs> oh, no, Steve. No, man, we just boycott, man. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. That's I, what, well, I'm not. I'm only half white. People think I'm white. I'm actually <laughs> half white. No, I, white people just boycott, like spur. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't necessarily think. I think a lot of black people don't actually agree with the H and M thing no, either. No. Um, I have two thoughts about that. Um, even if it was racist, which I don't think is very clear, because when you when you have those kind of photo shoots and people are trying on different outfits. Yeah. People are paid by the hour. I mean, that's what the mother said, right? Yeah. She had like, he had like dozens of outfits that yeah. day. People are paid by the hour and people are just doing things quickly. It's just helter skelter. Sure. Even if it was, there's certain things that you do within the bounds of the law. You don't go around breaking the law and trashing things because weirdly enough, I said this on Facebook, the people who clean up are poor black women. Right. And I was like, well then, what then? But also, the whole the whole H&M thing showed me a thing about the EFF is that when it suits them, they'll break they'll break the rule of law. Yeah, they're a destructive force. They're, they're a destructive force. The same thing with supporting the coup in Zimbabwe. They're more than happy to do so. Yeah. When Morgan Svangarai, the EFF wasn't formed yet, but when Morgan Svangarai was set to win the elections, Julius Malema was like, no, no. Robert Mugabe, so on and so forth. He ignored the fact that Mugabe was torturing Shangarai. He ignored the fact that political violence was being used in Zimbabwe. No, that's fine. It suits my ends. It suits my nationalism. And yeah. I was like, 
that's what you have. So it didn't surprise me, funnily enough, just as a slight segue, it didn't surprise me when Julius met with the NKGAC because Afrikaner identity politics, black identity politics, same WhatsApp group. It's, yeah. like, it's like Mangope and, and Tablanche, tribalists, same WhatsApp group. If it suits them, they'll be destructive. Well, yeah, well, it's a bit like, do you know the Hotep movement? Hotep. It's like the sort of, it's like they're they, they black nationalists, but not nationalists. They're like sort of, we can do better if we keep to ourselves. Like sort of separatist oh, movement. Oh, like Umar Johnson, that guy who's a purportedly a doctor, Umar Johnson. I, I saw his interview. So the Hotep movement want to get in bed with the alt-right movement. Because they're like, uh, you white supremacists, we black supremacists, we share the same goal, just different skin uh, color, but fuck it, let's get together. Oh no, I've seen, I've seen something with... Umar Johnson, where he says people who date and have sex and marry across the color line, it's a political thing. That choice is saying what you feel about black women. Okay. So, I mean, let's get back to basics, though. I mean, what do you feel about race relations in this country? Like, I know it's very broad. It's very broad. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get to it in a couple of angles. Um... I think people misunderstand each other a lot because in Vasti I studied communications and psychology. I think a lot of it gets lost in what's called the static, just the noise of what's happening in South Africa. So people interpret things through that lens. Sure, they got filters on. They got so many filters on and so people never get to sit down and talk to each other. Um, One of the things I have tried to do on Facebook is try and present things from different angles so someone like me for example i have friends across the spectrum Mm -hmm. not just race but age socioeconomic class political ideology so i i try to present what people in manenberg are thinking i've got friends who run a coffee shop there called your master combase they also do like soccer games there very good um, brings the community together, kind of lessens the violence, that sure. sort of thing. But I've got friends who are farmers, who are white. So I try and bring across that perspective as well. So I try and bring across that perspective of suburban people, people in the rural areas, people in the townships, and just try and humanize people. Because I think a, a lot of the time, people are the same across many things. There's just uh, small... And this sounds really kumbaya, but there's small differences on the surface. If you think about it, like just here in Joburg for the weekend, yeah, uh, middle-class white people and black people do exactly the same things on the weekend. They drink, they have brides, they, they go clubbing, they do so on and so forth. It's just different spaces. Sure. But people are doing the exact same thing. If you go to somebody's house, people are playing PlayStation or whatever. I think it's just... It, it's a mindset change for a lot of people because um, I think people are very scared of saying the wrong thing, which is the first thing. Well, we've got this shaming culture that's yeah. getting very prevalent at the moment. Exactly, because people, people uh, I think there's a difference between people who say the wrong thing and they're not aware because that's a skill I've picked up over the years is seeing the difference between people who just say something where you just say, listen, dude, saying this, don't say that to me. It's a respect thing. Sure. Like, don't say that to me because that's disrespectful. You bring them aside and you talk or whatever. 
If they don't want to listen, then you tell them, fuck you. Yeah. Basically, because there always has to be respect between people. And then there's just shitty people who like, like stirring. Because yeah. I learned that when I was in Margate. Because you'd have people, you, you, you have certain groups of white people, like who will literally go up to you if you're a black person and be like, oh, you're a monkey, or, or what about all your poor brothers who are toy-toying? And I remember the one time I was walking past a house going to a friend's house, and this guy literally in the street, he shouted across from me, and he was like, oh, why don't you tell all your brothers to stop toy-toying? And I looked at him, and I was like, who are my brothers? He's like, those guys there. I didn't realize my mom had so many children. Oh, you know what I mean. And I was like, because I, I, I'm disrespectful. I was like, I don't know what you mean, Gwis. And he was pissed off. And then I started trolling yeah, him. his name was Henny, not Gwis. Or whatever. And, I was, and he literally, that stopped him in his tracks. Yeah. Because he couldn't, like, sway me. A lot of people just try and troll each other. And if you know how to respond to it, like, it kind of dies down. And I think, unfortunately, skill. a lot of people just take it. Yeah, a lot of they people take it take very, it. very personally. Yeah. And they think, oh, no, this is what white people do. And I think it's it's that sort of misunderstanding that kind of gets conflated and people build up these ideas of each other. But how prevalent is that, that, that like, overtly racist <clears throat> culture these days? Well, it's, it's not prevalent here in Joburg because where we live, it's not that, prevalent. That's my filter. I've lived in Germany my whole life. Yeah. Okay, grew up on a farm, yeah. slightly different, but yeah. I don't see racist incidents like every day. If uh, I if uh, I notice it, like it, it's like uh-huh. marks, it's like marks itself on memory. It's like, geez, that happened. I can't imagine that happened. Like if we, in Joburg, if like the, the estate agent uh, mm. Vicky, someone or other, yeah. yeah, who called the police, like all sorts yeah. of disgusting racial names, like that makes like huge news. It does because I think uh, here's my 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 theory on Joburg. I think Joburg's 20 years ahead of the rest of this country, my opinion. Because um, when I moved to Joburg, that also kind of changed my mindset. Because I, I think... Oh, how do I put this? Um, I'll explain it. I think white people in Joburg are different, to be honest, just as a general overview. Yeah. I think you have different relationships. Because I think one of the things I find when I go to other cities is that white people are sometimes quite standoffish. Like, why the fuck would he talk to me type of vibe, you know? Right. Like that that sort of like... you Suspicious. know, when, Yeah, because I don't necessarily make conversation when I'm outside of Joburg with white people. I don't necessarily say, oh, hi, how are you doing, whatever, whatever. Because there's been times where people have been like... And they just looked at me up and down like, why the fuck would you talk to me? And I've just been like, gee... That's a bit weird. Or you're walking, even in a mall, and like, oh, I will be startled. Like, oh, gee, he was... Really? Yeah, I'm serious. But it's so... But we, but live, we live in Africa. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, it's, African people, like, are the majority. Like, why it's, it's, is it weird to think that they're among us, you know? It's, it's <laughs> like weird. Like some alien it, race. It is weird as hell. And I mean, I remember the one time I was hung over at a wimpy in Margate. And I'm looking across at the car because I'm, I'm out of it. And I'm just trying to get some water. And literally this white girl, she's there. She looks at me. She's like, how dare you look at me? Blah, 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 blah. And she started crying. And it caused a huge thing. And it was an uncomfortable experience where I had to explain to people, like, 
look, I'm hungover. Shut the fuck up. I'm looking at the car. And I'm just looking into space and I'm trying not to think. Calm down. And it was such an uncomfortable experience. But how does that... Um, how can I explain? Like, how do you not get over that? I'm not saying you should get over mm-hmm. it. But how do you... Uh, how do you, like, judge your life? Like, how do you not become a bit resentful? Or how do you not become a bit more militant? I, I think there's two things to it for me personally. I can't speak to anybody else. One is you have to make a decision. Um, I think I, I listen to a lot of Martin Luther King speeches. Let's put aside some of the other stuff he did, you know, with the, with the cheating and whatever. Um, That's irrelevant yeah, to his ideas. Yeah. Um, you have to decide for yourself what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. And that can't be affected by outside forces. Nobody can make you racist. You either are or you aren't. Somebody's mean to you, they're mean to you, and that's their thing. Um, so for me, I had to figure out for myself what kind of person I want to become, what kind of country I want to live in. And the second thing that inoculates you is you have relationships with white people. Yeah. So now I, I have quite a number of white friends. Um, I've dated a number of white people. I mean, I've, I was best man at one of my best friend's weddings. He's white. I mean, you, you can't have a resentful view of white people if you know a lot of white people, if you've been to their homes, you know their kids, yeah. you know their spouses, you know who they are as people, you know their struggles. You can't really do that if you have those sort of relationships because the, the strange thing is that when people get on, on, on Facebook and say, oh, all white people are shitty or whatever, it's real to you. Because you've got a friend. I've got white friends who've adopted black children, for example, and they're in that middle space. And you have to think about them because they're in Cape Town. So you have to think about them and you have to think about their children. You have to think about how they process that. And it's the same thing with how, if I turn it around, how I think about racism. If somebody's racist towards me, yeah, I have to think about, well... Why are they racist, firstly? Um, Secondly, um, I have to think about whether that racism was clumsy, because I think there is a clumsy kind of racism that people have. When people congregate, like, a lot amongst each other, they tend to form stupid ideas about each other. Like, I've seen black women who think white men are never violent. Oh. Because they see it on TV. They just think white men hit walls and stuff. Oh, and they right. don't hit... Okay. Because they don't, they're not around white dudes. Sure. I, I've had... There was a, a black woman I know who thinks all white men treat their girlfriends well and... Doesn't she know Pistorius? See, my point. And she told me that once. And I was like, I know a lot of white dudes. And some of them do, some of them don't. Yeah. They're human. Depends on the person. And... Depends on the person. I was like, you're just not exposed to people. So that's why you have that idea in your head. It works for both positive and negative stereotypes. So is that why Joburg is 20 years ahead? Because there's a lot more intermingling about uh, amongst like races and ethnicities yeah. and things like that. Because yeah. I think in Joburg, you, you have choice. Um, I don't think Joburg's a kumbaya place where everybody's just holding hands. But you have choices about what you're going to do and who you can hang out with. And nobody is going to like give you issues for it because 
one, Joburg's a diverse province. You have lots of ethnicities. Yeah. So half the time, actually, black people talk English to each other. Because if I'm talking to a vendor guy, I don't know how to speak vendor. Right. He doesn't know how to speak Kosa or Zulu. So we, you end up hearing black people speaking English to each other. Right. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And also in, in the neighborhoods, because there's lots of like upwardly mobile black people in neighborhoods, your neighbor's white. I mean, half my neighbors are white. Mm. So, I mean, you, you can't have these dumb ideas. People's kids play together. Well, I mean, you can have them, but, but to, to express them is like a bit... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's harder. It is harder to have And them. it's harder to hold stupid ideas in Jobo because... Especially when you meet people that, that, that completely rip apart your mm. worldview, right? Mm. Even in the day. workplace. Yeah. You, know, you can both hate your boss. Yes. Like, I, like I, mean? I hated it like, on Facebook when, mm-hmm. when someone says... Like, That's always a white woman for some reason. They go like to a petrol station or whatever. And mm-hmm. then says, oh, Elias... The petrol attendant did this wonderful thing. Please share. And he did. I don't know what he did. Like, he changed the tire or something. Mm. And it's like, look how great. And we were aiming. I'm like, no, fuck. Just give the guy 200 bucks. Say thank you. Paying for his time. Give him, like, money mm. for helping you. And then mm. get on your way. But and don't on. act like this is, like, a unique event in South Africa. Oh, fuck. Like, and I know that they mean well. Mm. I know they mean well. Mm. But if someone helps me on the side of the road, like someone does help me, mm. like not anymore, because I know how to change a tire now. But before, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. yeah, like a taxi driver stopped and helped me. I'm not mm. like, oh, this is like the most wonderful, gracious thing ever, mm. and Mandela's smiling. No, I gave the guy money, because I said, thank you so much for your time. Can I give you like 150 rand? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you don't need to, but yeah, sure, thank you. I gave it to him, shook hands, and then we get on the way mm. as like normal people in a normal city would do mm. it's not a miracle mm. it's it's the thing that annoyed me about those Joe Berger posts you know that tell tell um, us what you like about white people yeah. tell us what you like about black people well, what so you really so wanted forth. to know about uh, yeah. yeah okay to an extent I understand it because I think once you get outside some of the big cities people's behaviors tend to be the same because they clog up together. Oh, sure. Um, but I kind of hated the principle behind it mm. because I think this your skin color, sh- you shouldn't be able to tell anything well, important. Once again, it's collectivism, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I saw it was, hey, black people, what do you, what are your burning questions about white people? And then like, all of them were like, why do you wear these funny safari suits? And I'm like, I don't wear a fucking safari suit. I don't wear like this cocky <laughs> bullshit. I come now. Oh, they talk about the Afrikaans. Yeah, like, <laughs> say, say that about farmers or like people oh. who live in rural areas who uh-huh. happen to be Afrikaans. But don't say mm. that about like, white people in general. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just a small thing, but like there's a there's a misconception that mm. we all have these cocky fucking two tone mm-hmm. <laughs> shirts, and I've yeah. never worn one in my life, and I don't intend to. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think so, and I think so. So sorry. So perhaps yeah. it deepens the stereotypes rather than okay. Then then open yeah, them up, no, right? I definitely concur with that. But I think even within that, I think you need to have categories. So, for example, um, I made this argument to people, and and some people were not too pleased. I think it's okay in relationships if somebody wants to stick to their own race. But I think we should frown upon it in friendships. Oh, right. And I'll I'll make this argument this way. Okay. Relationships are deeply, deeply personal in the sense that attraction 
is a very complicated thing. Yeah. So, for example, people people choose things based on physical characteristics. Yes, you may not want to be with someone of another color because of their phenotype or their physical characteristics. And I think that's okay. People don't want to date short men mm. or or tall men. There's even men in this world who will date morbidly obese women only because of something that happened in their childhood. And that's okay because it's consensual. Yes, they discriminate against skinny women mm -hmm. and women with more healthier body sizes, but it is their choice and it contributes to their happiness. Um, and in that sense, I think even though race is really explosive, I think people should be allowed to. The same goes for... Yeah, one would think. It, it's yeah. the same argument. It mirrors... The, it's two sides of the same coin. It's the very same reason people should be allowed to date outside of their race and whomever they want. It's because it's deeply personal. It's none of your fucking business. And we can't regulate who we're attracted to. Sure. In that sense. So why don't you apply that thinking to friendships then? Because often the reason people don't go across friendships is because with friendships there's no physicality involved. You're not fucking your friends, you're not Depends kissing. Depends what your kind friends. of friends you've got. True. You're not fucking your friends, you're not doing anything personal. Friendships is based on common interests. And what I've found usually is that people who don't want to be friends give lame excuses. So you'll have people who say oh no, we don't share the same culture. And I'm like, how do you know? We don't have the same interest as them. And I'm like, by you saying that, you're saying because of his skin color, this person cannot share the same interests as you. Which, by the way, fundamentally, is what racism is. Sure. It's prejudice based on color. Yeah. So that's what at, it is. At the most basic level, yeah. Yes. So I'm not saying you don't tell people they can't, but I think socially, it's something that you frown upon because I think it's different in that sense to relationships because I had a, a classmate who was blonde, long, leggy blonde, only dated black guys. Really? When I was in only. It shocked the hell out of me. Were her parents disappointed? Funny, no, actually, her parents good. were quite liberal. Oh, that's good. Um, she just was like, I don't do white guys. I didn't ask too much because yeah. I thought... But like Robert De Niro, right? Mm. Robert De Niro, only blacks, only, only blacks, only dates, mm. black women. Mm. Like that's so, his thing. And yeah. So I was I like, that is her thing. Because for me, I'm okay with somebody saying, I don't want to date you because of your skin color. I'm okay with that, personally. Okay. Because at the end of the day, do I want to be with someone like that as well? Because it turns around the other way as well. Sure. So for me, I think... As much as possible, we need to give people freedom to be happy. There's certain things I think we should socially frown upon them. It shouldn't be a legal issue. Mm. I just think we should frown upon that socially so people understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree. Like, I'm huge. Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate of choice. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to be a racist, you only date within the race group. You only has friends within the race group. I think you should go ahead. I think your life will be less happier or less... How can I explain? Mm. Not diverse, but but you're going to have a very limited awareness of the world and the people around you. I agree with I th that. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a negative thing to only worry about your in-group preference. 
It is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an echo chamber. It's a circular. It is, but I, I think I think it's okay to frown upon certain things. I think. Oh, so. wanna, yeah, I think so. That's to, my to argument. I think. Okay. I I forward the argument that it should be frowned upon socially. I don't think. I don't think people should. It's it's the same thing with racism. Yeah. I I have a lot of issues with it being made legal. Where if somebody is racist, that there's. A lot of legal ramifications to it. Yeah. I find that quite troubling, <clears throat> but I think socially we should be aware and we should frown upon people who are racist towards other people. I think we should frown upon them, and I think we yeah. should be able to say it's wrong. Yeah, but I think that happens anyway, right? I, I mean, if you look at at the overt <laughs> cases mm. of racism, as the mm. state agent Vicky, someone mm. she was taken to court. I, can't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with being taken to court, but she won't work again, as far as I'm aware, or not mm. in the not in the same mm. position as she was before. The, the coffin assault case. Yeah, I mean, they got sent to prison for 15 years mm. for supposedly attempted murder. They say mm. they were trying to, you know, scare the guy. Of course, I don't condone what they do, but mm. like it was a, a serious punishment. Or for what they did, um, I think racism is not tolerated at all, unless it's legal racism, like uh, you know, fair discrimination, and and then and then you mm. get to a point, unfortunately, where only racism against certain demographic applies, and not against another demographic. Okay. So I mean, where else in the world do you get political leaders that say we're not going to, you know, call for the slaughter of whites just yet? Oh, uh, imagine imagine Donald Trump said that about Hispanics or, or black mm. Americans. I mean, they will be like outraged completely. Here, we write a strongly worded letter and tell, oh, tell oh, Julius to, to please stop it. But it's not a huge major news story. It, it, it isn't. Um, I mean, if Helen Zilla said that about about colors or black people, I mean, yeah. she, she would be buried by now, like way buried. Well, it's, it's the double standard around what Julius says. Even with his disrespect for the law, some of the stuff he said, um, when I talk to people who are very EFF, there's a lot of very shaky justifications, but they hold water for people who are in this time in history. So, for example, I had people on my Facebook, some of them varsity students, some of them actually with university degrees, with jobs, who are like, let's go to this H&M thing. They were in Durban. Uh, Let's go to this H&M thing and get involved and teach them a lesson. Right. And, you know, at the back of my mind, I was thinking about it. And I was, oh, gee. Because their whole argument was, we are forwarding black dignity. I don't know how you forward dignity by trashing things. Um, And and another problem, it's such a, a bourgeois concept of dignity. That's what that's what it, like irritates me a lot. I think okay. there's there's yeah. insurmountable amount of suffering by black people in this country on a daily basis. Okay, a lot uh, of it's very economic, but okay. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely yeah. economic. Uh, but yeah. uh, but dis- but discrimination, not just when people say systemic discrimination, I always roll my eyes a little bit. But the person who gets up at three, takes a taxi for three hours to work at a job that pays five grand a month, and then travels back home, mm. that's. So it's not systemic discrimination, but I mean that's a very difficult life. It is, and it's very difficult to get out of that cycle. Yeah, that happens every single day. Yes, and the EFF finds a hoodie on the internet more offensive. And I don't than that. Yeah, I I can see why because they were they 
the EFF majors on spectacle. Yeah. And spectacle, as we've even learned from Donald Trump, spectacle, when people are angry and feel left out, spectacle works. And so my thoughts on that, because there are people, for example, with, with their helpers. I mean, some people pay their helpers 1,500 Rand a month. And it's and by the way, it's not just white people. Uh, wealthy black people do it too. Well, my Maria came to us from from a, a black family, mm. and she was not very um, polite uh, about her conditions there. Of, of course, it doesn't mean anything in the grander scheme of things, yeah. but but it's a class issue masquerading it, as a it race is, issue. It is once again. it is a very deep class issue, and um, I think for me, that's why I think politics. More than anything, I say class trumps gender, class trumps race, race trumps gender. That's my view. That's where the Marxists sort of have a point, yeah. I agree with you. So, for me, the biggest issue in South Africa, because people often, there's this argument made about about the, the issue with South Africa is because of white monopoly capital or so on and so forth. Okay, whatever. Let's put that aside for a minute. One of the major the major problem we have in this country is that we have lots of undereducated and underskilled people who are not fit for the job market. And as such, we need to find ways in which we can get people to work. It's the what's what's the word? The demographic dividend. We have a lot of young people who can work, yeah, but who aren't working. And it can go either of two ways. We can go the way of the Asian economies, the Asian tigers. We put people to work and we see growth and we see improvement in standards of living. Or we can do what we're doing now, which is we can grandstand, we can go for spectacle. and Give we can, free education. And we can go completely left. Yeah. And we can have a situation in which you have lots of young people who don't have work, uh, who are antsy, especially young men who are antsy, and that's where the violence and the very nasty, nasty, angry violence comes from. Because in South Africa, it's not just people murder people or rob people. They torture them. They brutally rape them. And that anger comes from somewhere. It's it's not happening out of nowhere. So so where where do you think it comes from, like that anger? A lot of people do use, like, historical context. I think that's part of it. I think that I think that's certainly a factor. But I think I think I think present conditions. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that's often under talked about is the violence in in lower income communities. Um, I've got a friend in Cape Town who does play therapy with children in Manenberg, and one of the things she was telling me is a lot of people underestimate how prevalent gang rape is in that community. A lot of people underestimate how gang rape of little boys, especially in that community, because there, there is a study. People can look at it on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys are more sexually vulnerable than girls in this country. People would be shocked to hear that. Really? People can Google that. And and what you have in this country, then, is you have this culture. I, I think feminists are partly right on this, is that these young little boys are angry. They've been violated. And people are just telling them to suck it up. Right. Keep that shit inside. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not manly to cry. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? They've got a point there. And so 
you have this situation where you have a lot of angry young men. You have a historical context of violence. You have communities, low-income communities, where there's, where there's a lot of violence, where whenever somebody's angry, they take their anger out from their work situation where they've woken up at five and maybe Obas treats them badly and they bring it home and they beat up their wife, they beat up their kids, yeah. they drink. So you have all this conflation of issues which produces angry young men who are often jobless, who are often angry, who often, because they're not upwardly mobile, they often can't get access to women as well, which is why they're angry at women as well. Which yeah, is why they don't terror, have resources. Yeah. They terrorize young women as well. So you have all these social issues that stem partly from a lot of the social context, but also because of the economics. Mm. And for me, that's why it's so important that you fix things from the beginning. So, so now I have another friend in Cape Town who works, her church that has started this organization where they target certain stages of life for young people in Cape Town. So for them, they, they do early childhood development. Yeah. Because if you've, if you've kind of seen the studies, the first 1,000 days of a child's life are absolutely essential. Sure. And they are a predictor of later success, your brain formation, all that kind of stuff. The nutrition the mother gets, they focus on that. They focus on um, plugging in the gaps in the school system. So some of the tutoring, the education. They focus on skills development with older people, making them more employable. Um, Helping them, you know, with with entrepreneurial skills. Right. Plugging in that that life gap. And those small things make, like, a huge difference in the long run. They do, because if if we concentrate on doing that more in the long term, then... I think we can begin to turn around the situation in South Africa. Part of the crime issue is linked to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our policing is nonsense. That that needs to be sorted out, actually. You they scrapped a police university, which they shouldn't have. You're being very polite. It's not nonsense. It's, yeah. it's fairly non-existent. Exactly. There, there was a police university that was proposed and started, yeah. but they scrapped that because of political infighting. Well, there was... There was the, the one thing the party government did well, mm. is that the civil service was, were trained professionals. Mm. You had a, a civil servant, there was a college of sorts, a public mm. officials college, where you had mm. to get a degree mm. in administration and management to become a civil servant, anywhere mm. from a clerk to uh, whatever, a DJ, director general mm. or a minister or something mm. like that. And um, so they gave you the skills and mm. the knowledge. Scrap that as well, like post-95. Um, so a lot of... Uh, Here's the thing. The problem is the, mm. the, the National Party had this one policy which was awful mm. for everyone. Mm. Everyone. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't say this often, but white people also suffered, right? They couldn't, they couldn't love someone from another race. They couldn't exactly live. They were far better off than the majority of black yeah. people. Don't okay. get me wrong. Okay. But it was, still a, it was still a National Socialist uh, government. They were Nazis. Right. Basically. Well, okay. yeah. They, they just didn't commit the genocide. Yeah. Um, but there were sanctions, and if you if you had a brother, if you were born in South Africa in 1948, and you had your brother in the Netherlands, mm. in South Africa, with the government being so pro-white, mm. you would still be poorer than your brother in the Netherlands. So even the most pro-white, segregationist, racist government in the world, mm. or maybe not in the world, but in South Africa, white people were still 
some of the poorest white people in the world. Mm. So, I mean, that's how shitty this, this thing was. And what, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So, the apartheid state, unfortunately, so we used, we scrapped mm. apartheid, but then we scrapped everything that went along with it. Okay. And some of the stuff, especially like the the public official, the public yeah. officers college and okay. things like that, there was a meritocracy of sorts based on race, absolutely, don't get me mm. wrong. But there was a way to get into okay. positions in the state. Okay. Where you were competent or okay. fairly competent. It's called the Peter Principle, right? Okay. Where you are you are uh, given a position where you're merely incompetent and you mm. just stay there for life. Mm. I, and I, all that was scrapped okay. afterwards. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that because oh, I think it was a tough choice people faced. One of the problems with education is that I think the education department sidelined white teachers too quickly. I think I think there was a, I think within the negotiations there was five years to replace public servants, right? As far as I remember, it might have been, and, it, uh, and they're still doing it now. Uh, a friend of mine's mother is a teacher in Pretoria, mm-hmm. and they were served with retrenchment notices in December. I think it was done too quickly because I think we lost a lot of the the, the institutional know-how. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the the institutional knowledge. Um, and so one of the reasons our education is in shambles is because of that, because you, you've had people who've known how to do it for a long time, but they were just cast aside. But then again, I don't know how you would have done that, because if you know what I mean, like if somebody comes in and is your boss, but yeah. you think you know better than them, and there was all you know, this racial you know, stuff going on, so I don't know how you would have done it, but it contributed to what we see now. Yeah, well, you could just keep the meritocracy and then just change the management system, right? I, I think so, but there, there, there is something to be said about institutional know-how, about the, the knowledge that's contained yeah. within you being able to understand how everything operates. Like, even if you're educated, when you get to a workplace, you still have to understand how everything works. Oh, yeah, believe me. You still me. have to be shown the ropes. And I think... We both yeah. do, do a degree mm. and then go work in what you studied. It's, it's, it's two separate things. Do you Completely see what I mean? Yeah. So, the, I think that's part of the issue as well. And I think that combined with, with what Satu is doing, basically ransoming kids. Yeah, the union. Um, yeah, that's why we're messed up. I mean, we spend... Six times more than Kenya, but we have, we get far less for our money. Yeah. So I think that is problematic in and of itself. Yeah, but I mean, that's why I'm an anarchist. Okay. And this is way off, off topic, but I don't think the governments of the world care necessarily. They do just enough to be re-elected, mm-hmm. uh, and and the ANC. In and of itself, and most, and the, the DA as well to some degree, we are useful chattel, right? We are useful fodder for them when election comes. Okay. And so Thomas Sowell, the great economist, said there's two things a political or elected official does. Okay. First priority, get elected. Second priority, get re-elected. No one knows what the third priority is because it's so far down the line and so divorced from the okay. first two. If if we didn't have... I mean, I think that the overall issue in South Africa is this technocratic socialism that we have at the top. Okay. Espoused by many of the, by all the parties, except the EFF, who are just far more left. Okay. But it's this notion that 
the state knows best. Okay. And we will constrain the private sector because we don't trust them. Okay. We will constrain them through regulations, the BE laws, and all the rest of it. All this will be for you know, it's, it's all bene- you know benevolence. The private sector won't change because they're racist, so we'll force them to change. And you know, look at us, we we made them change. Whereas in the late eighties and and the seventies, a lot of businesses went to court to hire black workers or black okay. professionals in the ranks. Not That's that not the actually. majority by any means. Please don't uh-huh. get me wrong, okay. but it did happen a lot of times. Okay. Um, so it's this, it's this notion that the state knows best, the government bureaucrats know best. Okay. And personally, selfishly, I think the incompetence of the bureaucracy has saved us from a lot worse. In what sense? Than today. Well, we, if we had Venezuela, the civil service in Venezuela is very efficient. Okay. If the ANC got away with what they wanted to, it's, okay. if you look at the policy documents, it's 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 controlling everything through technocratic socialism. So it's not about, it's not about control of the means of production. It's about mm. the, the, the regulatory control of okay. the private sector. Okay. And because they, they have incompetent civil service, they can never do it properly. So I think that saved us you know, quite a lot. But unfortunately, there's a lot of, of effects, like the education system, like the, the justice system, like all those things that just don't work I, for the majority I, of people. I'd actually like us to explore um, the voucher system. Though I am caught. In, oh, now in you're talking my language now. I am caught in a, in, in a couple, two minds because I'm trying to understand it better. Yeah. But at face value, for me, um, because I read up on on the Spark schools. I don't know if you know about the Spark schools. I know them. The Spark schools spend as much on one student as the government does. It's basically the same. It's about 75 grand a month, a year or something. Oh, I don't have the exact figures, but I was reading that they spend pretty much the same. Right. And so I was looking, the contrast in the quality of the education is quite vast between the two. Yes. So I think... One would think. Exploring that could be a possibility. I don't know how it would work in in terms of, of... well, it's very simple. You just let the state fund mm. and let the private enterprise manage. I hope so. Uh, do I we, mean, because do the we state wants to fund and manage. I the, see the that. AMC. I see that. It's very, it's very yeah. overladen with administrative largesse, yeah, the public yeah. education. Because, because the state has a vested interest in, in managing as well. Instead of... Here's the thing. The greatest thing we've done in history was never done by independent people. It wasn't done by the strong man. Albert Einstein didn't discover his equation. A lot of other people were working on it, and any one of them could have figured it out. Okay. Same with Alexander Graham Bell. He just he created the telephone, but there were many other people who were doing it as well at the same mm. time. Thomas Edison, same thing. Okay. We are defined by trillions of decisions made by billions of people over time. Okay, I agree with that. And somehow, shit just happens. When people interact, create services, um, create goods, yeah, uh, create needs and wants, not just the market, I'm talking about like ideas. The, the, no, the I agree with that. The democracy was not created by Aristotle. No, I agree with that. Many people created it. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and to segue, yeah. that's why I'm a big fan of cities. Because it puts smart people, educated people, ideas people, 
in proximity. Sure. That's where you get jet engines of innovation right. and growth. And and whenever and have you noticed? Yeah. Whenever the state tries to control one thing, it retards that completely. Yeah. We're still using the education system that was designed in 1870 to create Prussian soldiers. Pretty much. It's like an industrial process. It's a prison camp, right? It's you, an industrial process. You can't, you can't piss when you want to. You can't have a break when you want to. You're forced to sit in queues. And there's a bloody factory bell that rings every 45 minutes to tell you where to go. Yeah. It's 200 years later and we still have it. Yeah. Um, for me, at least, that's why I think private education is actually better. I went to a private school, and um, a lot of people um, have that thing of, oh, well, we end up at the same universities and stuff. Yeah. And my argument's always been is that there's more to life. It depends on what you value. Yeah. There's more to life than just simply a paycheck. You could get a degree in accounting yeah. and just be an accountant, narrow focus, nothing else. I think... The school system doesn't necessarily, the public school system at least, it doesn't necessarily develop even the private one. The whole person, even the it's private better. one, even the, the private, private ones one. are actually better. They, they, they're better, but only they're optimal. They're not optimal, and unfortunately, parents mm-hmm. think they do. Parents yeah. think schools develop those critical skills or those critical uh, development behavioral yeah. skills, and I don't think they do at the best of times. So parents sort of, you know. Leave that to the teachers. They can look after the kid mm-hmm. and develop them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. We just okay. need people to be far more... How can I explain? Just far more interested in the people around them, especially their children. Because I find that a lot of parents do not seem to worry too much. They think they can just, like, you know, delegate. Oh, to everyone else, yeah. the responsibility. Yeah. No, you got I, the I nanny, you got the maid, you got the teacher, you got the the driver, whatever. It's like, yeah, it's your kid. How's he going to develop critical thinking and find meaning? That's a very, that's actually a very interesting conversation because I was, I was reading this morning about uh, the the prime minister of New Zealand. Yes. Uh, just in a, a Dern, I think, and about her being pregnant, but she's prime minister, mm-hmm. but then her husband. She said, I, I watched her press conference, she said the husband is going to be a house husband. Right. And I thought it was interesting because it does underline Peterson's point about why there aren't more female CEOs and top-end yeah. politicians. Division of some, <laughs> Something is going to be sacrificed. Sure. Most people just cannot have it all. Yeah. And so I, th- I thought that was really interesting. I put that up for some of my friends, some of my feminist friends, because we've been having this ongoing conversation and I'm like... Not a lot of women actually want that because I've got friends. Both of them are doctors, mm-hmm. but she stays at home now because their child's really small. Oh right. Well, so, I, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I stay at home. Like, uh-huh. I work from home. Mm-hmm. I, I work hard. I think, mm-hmm. but I I stay at home. I, yeah. My, my daughter, daughter goes to school till three. I pick her up, mm-hmm. and my wife comes home later at yeah. five. And yeah. uh, that works for you, though. Absolutely. Because I'm you've not, got flexibility. But I'm not a lesser father. I think I'm a superior one. Most. No, I, I think I think it's uh, we live in a modern world. You got to be flexible. Sure. Like if I sit at home and I'm a writer, and I expect my wife who's working on let's say in the corporate world, yeah. if I had one, not saying I do. Oh, right. If I had one, you know, it would be unreasonable 
to sure. expect her to do all that kind of stuff because yeah. I'm more flexible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I fully really agree with you. So, um, so basically, I mean, we reached near the end now. Mm. So basically, what are we saying? Are we saying anything? I'm yeah. saying that racism is unnecessary. Um, yeah. It's a good thing that people branch out. Cities are great. Joburg is fucking awesome. It is awesome. It is fucking awesome. It is the best city on this continent. The rest of it may be a shithole, but not here. Even so, it's our shithole. <laughs> it's our And shithole. we are proud of it. And we're proud of it. Cindy uh, Lee, my friend. Thank you, sir. Oh, it's what been a, a pleasure. pleasure. It's been a pleasure. What a, sorry, I don't know. I, 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 I uh, how fine. to do that. It's, fine. it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Everyone. Thank you, sir. And uh, you must come back. There's something we could have done four hours easy. Ah, definitely. I'll it's just a bit keen. hot in here. It is, it is. I'll be keen to come back. Awesome. Anytime, anytime. Thank you. All right. And where, oh, where can people find you? Sorry, I forgot. Uh, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. Don't do Instagram. Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I just got on Twitter. At S Vabaza, V A B A Z A. Okay. And then, yeah, and Facebook, it's Cindy Le Vabaza. Yeah. Pretty much it. 100%. And yeah, anyone listening, follow Cindy Le. You will get angry. And half then the time. Angry half the time. Then I just see Liverpool updates and like Real Madrid. That's on the weekend. And I'm like, oh, that's boring. on the weekend. And then on Monday, like, it just frazzles your intuitions. It's worth, <laughs> it's worth following. Yeah. Cindy Lee, thank you, sir. Cool, cool. See you Thanks, soon. Man. Thanks, man. Oh, very nice. It is hot in there. That went well. Okay. The second time around. So, with the camera battery, is that what limited us? Uh, memory card. Oh, memory cards. You card. buy bigger memory cards, apparently.